Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 26th of July, 2022. Happy Tuesday to you. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff. show only happens, really, frankly, because you guys listen to it. So thank you for that. Thanks to everybody. A lot of people entering the contest for uh, Mark Levin versus Kurt Schlichter. Surprising showing from Kurt so far. Not that Kurt isn't a great guy. He's a good friend. I've known him since before anybody had ever heard of him. But Mark Levin is wildly famous. But people love Kurt. So who knows? Who knows who will win? you got to play to win. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. I'm going to try to move this show along as quickly as possible. Bailey has been sick. Bailey's getting over being sick. Bailey handles being sick pretty well. Quinn is now sick with a fever and uh, a cough. Bailey tested negative for COVID, so and they haven't been around anybody, really. I don't know where it would have come from. But in any event, Quinn had a rough night. She crawled into bed next to me, and I uh, kept taking her temperature. And I didn't sleep very well last night. So we'll get to all of that. At some, hopefully, we'll we'll get past that very quickly. So I want to get this show under the underway, so I can get it out of the way and get back to uh, taking care of the kid. So let's get it started. There's a lot going on in the world for us to talk about because there's always a lot going on in this world. The president is still recovering from COVID, supposedly, allegedly, whatever it is. Um, We're getting these weird proof of life things. They're desperate to try and show that not only, not only, you know, okay, Joe has COVID. All right. Everybody knows Joe has COVID, but they're trying to portray it as it's no big deal. He's doing great, doing gangbusters, which is a weird thing when you're trying to get trillions more in spending for your pet projects under the guise of we've got to do something about COVID. We must do something about COVID. And they're throwing around a whole bunch of other money. They want the emergency powers, and they really, really desperately want those mail-in votings to continue in this November's election. And, okay, you want those things, but then you're telling everybody, yo, we're getting ready out in Los Angeles. They're getting ready to put the masks back on. They're getting ready to put all sorts of other things back on. And uh, you sit there and you go, why are you doing these things? Well, you're doing them because they got nothing better to do. Because they they got nothing else. But then they can't scare the hell out of people and say, well, Joe Biden's sick with COVID. Joe Biden, somehow, the 79-year-old man, is fine. He's cleaning his plate. But you've got to be worried. You've got to go get the shot if you haven't had the shot. Go get extra shots if you've already had the shots. Uh, vote remotely. Here's more money. Government spend money. Put your mask back on. Live in fear. Follow government dictates. But don't worry. Joe Biden is doing fine. Joe Biden has cancer, so he said last week. And he's doing fine. He's got asthma, or so he said many times before, blaming the same thing he said gave him cancer, and he's doing fine with COVID. But don't you worry. That doesn't mean you'll do fine. So go out and get your six-month-old child 
vaccinated. That isn't really a vaccine. Seeing the disconnect here, seeing the bizarre little bit of kabuki theater the Democrats have to go on. They have to show Joe's doing great. He's he's still in charge because why? Because I think uh, they know a whole bunch of the country would go. Oh, my God. I hope I hope we don't get Kamala. Even temporarily, we don't want Kamala. But they also want to not downplay the virus. It's a very, very bizarre situation that they find themselves in. And it couldn't happen to nicer people. So we've got that going on. I just, I, um, it's weird. It's weird watching these people argue. Again. It's like watching Democrats try to argue, re-argue, and lose arguments they've already won. They do it all the time when policies, positions change, when it's inconvenient for them to be on one side of an issue. They come along and say, no, well, we've got, forget it, forget it, forget what we said. Forget what we said. They change positions on a dime. Bodily autonomy when it comes to abortion. Okay, what about the shot? No, no, not bodily autonomy. Well, you know, you kind of, what do you do? You sit there and you tell the American public how popular your opinions are on abortion. How popular opinions on abortion are. Oh my goodness, everybody loves our opinion on abortion. It's about bodily autonomy. Who could be against bodily autonomy? Okay, well then that means you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get rid of 40,000 military members because they've refused to get the shot. Well, no, that's different. Why is it different? Well, because one's a deadly disease. Well, one is a a deadly outcome, 100% guarantee. Well, not 100%, unless uh, Governor Ralph Northam, last governor of Virginia, has his way. Then you could, if a baby survives an abortion, you could make it comfortable and then have a discussion with the mother about how best to kill it. But otherwise, the purpose of an abortion is to end a human life. Right? Isn't that right? So you can say that, but then you've got Joe Biden, who is right there in the sweet spot, dead center, solid, boom, in a whole bunch of comorbidities and pre-existing conditions. And you're telling us, hey, he's fine. He's doing great. He's not even missing any work. He is doing a wonderful job, a wonderful, wonderful job. Couldn't be better. Well, which is it? It, it can't be both. Everybody has to be in fear of this thing or we don't have to be in fear of it. It can't be both, but they're making it both. Why? Because this is where the left lives. This is who the left is. This is what they do. There is no logic. Seek not, in the words of Yoda, seek not logic in the ways of the left. You gotta, I'm trying to find this. There was a professor. I think it was a professor so it's always a professor, isn't it? Who was talking about Joe Biden working through COVID is white supremacy. <laughs> like, what? Because they can't. It, what's funny is the entirety of the left is exists to control everybody, to, to control everybody else. But it ends up biting them in the rear end more often than not. Why? Because... It's out of control. They can't place any guardrails on it. They love the sort of whirling dervish, massive, spastic attack on everybody out there who isn't them. They love it so much that they're willing to tolerate it coming back on them every once in a while and biting them in the butt. To these people are. 
Who these people are, it's what these people do. Oh, she deleted the tweet. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but it, it really, honestly, it was that it was that uh, Al Gore or that uh, Joe Biden working through COVID was the height of white supremacy and white privilege. Like, really? So you're supposed to just look. I, I'm all for Joe Biden not working. I think that Joe Biden on the clock is Joe Biden not working. But it strikes me as odd that the Democratic flank cannot be controlled, cannot be rationed with. They're like the Terminator. They are insane. They will not stop. It doesn't matter what damage they do. Oh, you're going to rip the arm off of Arnold Schwarzenegger? Doesn't matter. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Nothing. These people are impervious. Impervious, I tells you, to logic, to any sort of rational thought where a human being, a normal human being would look at something and go, that doesn't make any sense compared to what we've been told in the past, right? That's what we've been told. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Maybe we should rethink these things. It doesn't matter how many studies they produce that show the exact opposite. Remember, eggs are going to kill you, and then uh, not eating eggs will kill you. It, it can't be both. It might be neither, but it can't really be both. It doesn't matter. They just went along with it. Oh, eat this, eat that, eat the other thing. Don't eat those anymore. Uh, coffee's going to make you live forever. Oh, coffee's going to kill you if you drink too much coffee. Red wine is the wonderful... Red wine will kill you. There's no disconnect. Why? Because they don't care. It's never really about the science. It's about the control. How many people jumped through hoops? How many people had a closet full of, of red wine when they found out that red wine was great for the heart? And then they said, oh, wait, red wine isn't so great for the heart. And they still got that closet full of red wine because they won't touch the stuff because now a study says that it's not great for the heart. The best thing we could do as a species is acknowledge that most of the time we don't have any freaking clue what we're talking about. We're making it up as we go along. We're, we're learning more and more, but there is no finish line in knowledge. None. So as you learn more things, everything should evolve. Okay? Probably eating nothing but eggs is not the best way to go, but avoiding eggs like the plague probably not the best way to go either unless you don't like them another example is from the uk daily mail of things you get wrong and things that change and things that should be questioned but aren't allowed to be questioned i love this headline the great paradox colon drop in air pollution has increased global warming because clean air does not contain aerosol particles that reflect sunlight and cool the earth don't you love that? After COVID, we've been locked down. You know, the economy was shut down around the world. Remember all the pictures of, look at how clean the sky is over this place that's usually polluted to all get out of this one. And look at the uh, canals of Venice. My goodness, you can see fish swimming in the canals of Venice for the first time because it, there's not those filthy human beings there stirring up all the sediment off the bottom. It's a... Uh, it's wonderful. The and all the environmentalists were saying, if we could just stay locked down forever, this would be utopia. Well, not so much anymore, because the left is never content. They're making it up as they go along. Scientists have found a great paradox in nature. Clean air is, in, now, it's the definition of clean. That's the problem here. I would go out on a limb to say, but that's just me. I'm not a scientist. Clean air is enhancing global warming while pollution keeps our planet cool. Huh? A team of international researchers determined current pollution rates are 30% lower than in 2000. 
but warming from carbon dioxide emissions have increased by up to 50%. Hmm. Pollution particles like sulfate or nitrate are known for reflective properties and are typically found in exhaust. Drive your car, save the planet. The team, in a desperate move, suggests turning to aerosols once more, but by using a controversial type of geoengineering to do so. These people are dangerous people. They really genuinely are. This method, called solar engineering, entails launching sulfate particles into the stratosphere that would in turn create a reflective haze around the globe, science.org reports. The study, led by Leipzig University, brings good news for human health. These particles are linked to millions of deaths each year, but is grim for what the future holds for humanity. I'm going to read that again just so you let it sink in. The study, led by Leipzig University, brings good news for human health. These particles, meaning the particles that there are fewer of, right now, are linked to millions of deaths each year, but is grim for what the future holds for humanity. Yes, there are less deadly particles in the atmosphere right now. That's bad. It's good for people, but bad for humanity because of climate change, because of global warming. <sighs> the team has found that ocean heat has experienced a rise since 2000, which again they said is due to the world adopting policies that reduce the use of aerosols. Now, what have they been telling us? This is the way. This is the only way. The only way forward to save humanity is to get rid of... Wait, now you're doing... You did what we said, and oh no, this is not the way. You're actually destroying things. You're making things worse. At some point, shouldn't some of these people go, wait a second, I have questions here. If no matter what we do, nothing changes, or if it does change, and then you say, well, no, that thing's bad too. Maybe you should think this through. If, if I'm a believer... If I'm a believer in this climate hoax garbage, I'm at least sitting there going, you know what? Don't tell me anything until you know for sure. All right? Because next time you get it wrong, I'm out. All right? Leave us all alone. Figure out which way it goes. And then we'll talk. It can't be do this. Okay, we did this. Yeah, you did that, but you made things worse. What the hell? What do you mean I made things worse? You're the one who told me to do it. Well, that's different, you see. Um, just shut up and uh, put this mask on and jump through these hoops. Sitting there and you're trying to figure this out, you're trying to make sense from these people. You cannot. You cannot. Johannes Kwas, a climate scientist at Leipzig University and lead author of the study, told Science.org that the study was conducted using instruments on NASA's Terra and Aqua satellites, both of which collect data on Earth's atmosphere. These devices also gather intelligence on the radiation coming in and out of Earth, allowing the study to understand the increase in infrared heat trapped by greenhouse gases. Trapped by our atmosphere. We need that heat trapped in here. Without that atmosphere, without the heat being trapped in here, we are as cold and as desolate as the moon. And you're going to tell me, and this is what scares the hell out of me, Bill Gates, Mr. Get the Shot, Mr. You know, 
can't say rapey, but certainly a handsier than most people want or more forward than most women want at Microsoft in the copy room. Bill Gates, he's talking about seeding the clouds like this to reflect some of the sun's light away from it. These are things that can't be undone, at least can't be undone very easily. We don't fully understand the the implications of doing it. You sit there and you hear this, okay, this is a study, it doesn't matter. Bill Gates has the money to do it. Bill Gates has the money to do it. Bill Gates has to be stopped. It's not Bill Gates, it's the Gates Foundation. There has to be government somewhere around the world, somewhere in, you know, this government ain't going to do it, but somewhere it's got to say, no, you can't, you can't do this. You don't get to mess with the planet, Bill. You want, we'll spread your ashes up in the upper atmosphere when you're dead. Otherwise, since you won't be here to deal with the ramifications, whatever they may be, and don't pretend you know, you don't get to try to permanently alter the planet's climate. You just don't get to play that game. Somebody needs to say that. Somebody in position of power needs to say that. Bill Gates has lived his life far too long with nobody except for underlings at Microsoft, female underlings at Microsoft, telling him no. Somebody has to tell him no. Because sooner or later, he's going to do something that can't be undone. And we're all going to pay the price for it. Science, ladies and gentlemen, science. Okay, since we were talking about uh, climate change and uh, the fraud that that is, I want to play you this clip from Al Gore. Al Gore. Why was Al Gore anywhere? Why does Al Gore matter? Al Gore is the biggest fraud hypocrite one of the biggest, you can't, in, given the state of Democratic Party politics now, you can't single out one person. But he is incredible. He sells his cable network to uh, Dubai for oil money. Oil money, dirty oil money. Yeah, but uh, $300 million can wash off a lot of that oil, of that money. And uh, ever since he flies, you think you're going to see him on a Southwest flight? No. You think you're gonna see, he flies private everywhere. He has mansions all over the place. He ditched Tipper the first chance he got. Oh, the, our our love is the basis of love story. Remember when they tried to pull that garbage in 2000? Oh, no, I lived, uh, whatever the guy was who wrote the, the book Love Story. He was my college roommate, him and, uh, and Tommy Lee Jones. It, it really was. They really were college roommates. But um, he said he based Love Story, the book Love Story, on him and Tipper's romance. The only problem was that... Uh, the woman in the book and the movie dies in Love Story. So, you know, oops. Uh, but after that didn't work out, soon after, and then uh, a couple of uh, masseuses were reported to have claimed that Al got a little handsy with them and wanted them to uh, help him release his second chakra. And uh, Let's just say he was, he was having a good massage, but he wanted it to end happily. And they uh, they did not like that with Al, and so he got into trouble. They denied it. It went away quickly because it's Al Gore. But Tipper went away quickly after that, too, because why not? That love story thing. that Something had to die, and it just turned out it was their marriage. Never talks about Tipper anymore. Whatever happened to Tipper? Remember she was the head of, of the PMRC or the Parents Music Resource Council or something like that? Uh, they wanted to ban, they wanted to put Ozzy Osbourne in jail for backwards messages that were causing teens to commit suicide or something like that in the 80s. It was a mess. 
Big censorship. Democrats get a pass for their censorship. Anyway, Al Gore was dragged out of his coffin, who looks like he did lose a fight with a, a bag of talcum powder. He is out there being just a horrible human being. Why you have him on Meet the Press, I don't know. Chuck Todd is, by the way, if you see this clip, it's like an ugly off. Al Gore just looks pasty and vampire-y. And Chuck Todd, it looks like Renfield. I don't know. He, he just sh- he's just Chuck Todd looks like somebody who's given up on life. Just shaved his head and the hell with it. I, I'm not giving any more money to Big Comb. And he just shaves his head and goes, the ginger Avenger. God bless him. I guess his, he can just say to hell with it. It's television, but who cares? His wife makes enough money that he doesn't have to worry about it. But anyway, he made a horrible analogy. Using the Uvalde, Texas school massacre. You want to know what a bad person sounds like? It's Al Gore. He, honest to God, he, he uses this analogy and then he talks about how it's terrible and blah, blah, blah. And then he, he does it again. He talks about how, I can't explain how bad this is. You just have to listen to it for yourself. Is that if we want more pro-climate policies, we need to elect more pro-climate senators and representatives in both parties. And we've got an election coming up. And uh, this is time for all of us to step up. You know, the climate deniers uh, uh, are really in some ways similar to all of those uh, almost 400 law enforcement officers in Uvalde, Texas, who were waiting outside an unlocked door uh, while the children were being massacred. They heard the screams, they heard the gunshots, and uh, nobody stepped forward. And God bless those families who've suffered so much. And law enforcement officials tell us that's not typical of what uh, law enforcement usually does. And confronted with this global emergency, what we're doing with our inaction and failing to walk through the door and stop the killing uh, is not typical of what we are capable of as human beings. We do have the solutions. And I think these extreme events that are getting steadily worse and more severe are really beginning to change minds. We have to have uh, unity as a nation to come together and stop making this a political football. It shouldn't be a partisan issue. You got to love the end there. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. Everybody who uh, disagrees with me is just like those cops sitting outside the classroom as children were being slaughtered, but it really shouldn't be a partisan issue. It's a nice, it's a long-winded way of saying obey. It's a long-winded way of saying learn your place, shut your mouth, do what you're told. This is how it is. It's what he's doing. It's what it is. Oh, it shouldn't be a partisan. It should be a partisan issue. It should be a partisan issue. You should be forced to answer the question why it is that when the symptom, the problem, whatever you told us was happening, Changed 180 degrees, that the solutions remained the same. I'm kind of curious about that myself. The coming ice age, global cooling, all man-made, all caused by this thing. That was the 1960s and 70s, the coming ice age. And then, no, the ice age didn't come. Now it's the coming uh, horrible heat, horrible, horrible heat, which hasn't really come. But weirdly, the solutions have remained the same. Empower government, strip you of your liberty, strip you of your private property rights, strip you of your... We've got to tax you. We've got to do this. We've got to control what you can, your movement, your, your thought process, everything, and don't question any of it. 
We must act now before it's too late, they said for the past 35 years. Uh, every time you told us that, it was for 10 years or it was too late. We're three and a half times past it being too late. And yet it's not too late. Why? Because it's never been about the so-called problem. The problem is a natural occurrence. The weather changes. It used to be called summer. It's about your proposed solutions. It is about you getting what you want. That's what this is all about. Period. End of story. Reuters today has a story. Explainer. <coughs> I love I love this kind of garbage. Explainer, colon. What's behind the heat waves affecting the United States? And they go, and it's a long explainer about here it is. What is it's called summer. It's July. That's why it's hot in the United States. That's why it's hot in the UK. Shock of shocks. Last July, if you look back at it, it was hot. The previous July was hot. Some Julys are hotter than others. When your frame of reference is the last 10 seconds in all of Earth's history, it may seem pretty dramatic. But when you look back over time, it's not. Summer, that big ball of fire in the sky being overhead, directly overhead, for longer periods of time in the summer because of the Earth's tilt and the axis, um, that explains it. Instead, no. Virtually all the contiguous United States experienced above normal temperatures in the past week with more dangerously hot weather forecast. The U.S. heat wave followed record heat that killed hundreds, if not thousands of people and sparked wildfires in Europe. People die. Get air conditioners. What is a heat wave? Following is an explanation of what is causing heat waves, according to scientists. Now try to, I dare you, I dare you to try to be a scientist who looks at this and says, you know what, that the uh, spike in Earth's temperatures has everything to do with the spike in solar flares and uh, increased activity, thermal activity on the surface of the sun, which we can track. You would never get another government grant. You would be run out of academia and all of your students would be outside your home calling for your death. And the Democratic Party would be cheering it. They treat you like a Supreme Court justice that overturned Roe v. Wade. What is a heat wave, Reuters asked. A heat wave is no single scientific definition. Depending on the climate of a region, it can be determined by a certain number of days above a specific temperature or percentile of the norm. Like I said, we don't really have all that much accurate data. We have thermometer readings back about 150 years. We have accurate thermometer readings back about 75 years. We have atmospheric readings that are back maybe 50 years. That's it. That's it. The Earth is, you know, a couple of billion years old, they tell us. Human beings have been around for at least 5,000 years. But uh, we're told that we can tell from the snapshot of, you know, one second in human history what everything should be and what's normal. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. And then they say, well, by the way, it's a heat wave. What's a heat wave? Well, a heat wave can be anything. There's no specific definition. We just kind of make it up as we go along. Hmm. Arctic warming and jet stream migration. The Arctic warming is three to four times faster than the globe as a whole, meaning there is ever less difference between northern temperatures and those closer to the equator. Yet we don't lose the ice. We're always told, 
We're going to lose the ice. We were told, what, 15 years ago in the New York Times, we were going to lose snow. The end of snow. That was a name of a, that was a title of a piece in the New York Times. The end of snow. And it didn't happen. It's weird. But now they push the doom and gloom off even further so it can't be disproven. Nobody will live through it. And they make the sense of urgency now more important. We must act now because of what might happen long after you're dead. You can't prove it. You can't disprove it. That last part is what's more important. These raging hypocrites, when it comes to... It's amazing to me how they can function as human beings. But Al Gore does this all the time. All Democrats do this all the time. You heard it at the end of that Al Gore clip. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. And they're dealing with a journalist who goes, yeah, you know what, this really shouldn't be a partisan issue. Why? Because the journalist is also a Democrat. It's a whole bunch of Democrats saying, I, people shouldn't disagree with me. People shouldn't disagree with me. Why are people disagreeing? You need to stop disagreeing with me. Let's stop being disagreeable. Stop trying to do stupid things. How about that? We'll call it even. I won't disagree with you if you stop doing stupid things. All right? We'll call it a day on that. Well, at a minimum, call that a draw, right? Isn't that fair? No. It doesn't matter what the issue is. Democrats always say that stuff. Well, we shouldn't be, there shouldn't be a disagreement on this. We should all care about it. Climate change. We shouldn't be disagreeing on this. There should be full agreement. Okay, great. What's a, what's a, you know, you could say, what is a, uh, when does life begin? We shouldn't disagree. You could ask that. Like, it, it, it's, no, it's just a clump of cells. It, uh, maybe, maybe the six month mark, you get a Democrat occasionally to go, maybe the six months, then it's really, because what is the definition of life? The definition of life is, you know, growth, physical activity, a heartbeat, any of those. Even a clump of cells is growing. What is it? What is it going to grow into? <laughs> we don't know yet. We know it could be an antelope. We don't. There's no real way of knowing. Really? Couldn't? Couldn't figure that out. Might be an antelope. Might be a human being. Could be. Okay. You know, it shouldn't be a partisan issue. We shouldn't be disagreeing on this. Well, that's different. It's just a clump of cells that become what? That are doing what? What are they doing? They're growing, all right? If you bought a a flower that you cut and put in the water, it's still technically growing. It's just going to die very soon. But you admit that you, why do you put it in water? Well, because it's alive. Well, so you know that some things are alive. You're willing to go that far. But human beings, different. No, 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 no. It's different. It's different. It's different. They move the bar constantly on what they want. They change things up for their convenience. It really doesn't matter. It's rather disturbing. Kind of disgusting. You want to ask them, you know, uh, what? It, it really shouldn't be a, a political issue. It really shouldn't be a partisan issue. What is a woman? What is a man? How many genders are there? That is something we had all agreed on long time ago. Hadn't really been a whole lot of debate about that. Now, there was different sexualities in there. It's gay, straight. Now they're just making it up. I'm a pansexual. Uh-oh. Jessica's coming over. She's a pansexual. Hide the tea, fowl. Let's go. Let's get rid of that thing. We're gonna have to, you're going to have to use the grill. Okay, no, now they're just making things up and we're supposed to go, okay, on those they say it shouldn't be a a partisan issue. 
Why not? You're taking reality and you're literally bastardizing it. You're changing reality. Just today, the Council of Economic Advisors, I guess it was yesterday, the Council of Economic Advisors, the geniuses running this administration, and talk about redefining terms to suit their needs, and this is what makes liberals so dangerous, to be honest with you. They're redefining what constitutes a recession, what a recession is. What is a recession? A recession, I bet if you've ever heard a definition of a recession, I wouldn't blame you if you hadn't, but if you'd ever heard the definition of a recession, it would be two consecutive quarters of negative growth. And that'd be it. It's a pretty simple definition. It's technical. Two consecutive quarters, half a year of negative growth, of a shrinking economy. That's a recession. A recession is a shrinking economy, and it's not a full recession until an actual recession until you get two, because one time could be a fluke. But the economic data on the last quarter is coming out this Thursday. Democrats are panicked that that is going to be the second consecutive quarter because the first quarter was a shrinking economy. Democrats are concerned that that's going to be the second consecutive quarter of negative growth. Therefore, a recession, the R word. I love it. They'll start talking about that in the media. They'll, they'll, they'll do it very euphemistically like... Uh, like parents in a long car ride talking about sex or talking about uh, you know what they're getting the kids for Christmas, birthday party plans or something where they spell things out. It's the R word. You'll hear it, Lester Holt going, about, "Oh, Democrats are out there concerned about the R word." Mostly, it'll be on CNN and MSNBC though. But that's they're just trying to talk about a recession. Well, now the Council of Economic Advisors is changing what that means. What is a recession? Under the official White House banner, one of a very political document was released on yesterday. Uh, I guess it was on Friday. The headline of it, how do economists determine whether the economy is in a recession? Huh. Now, again, we had known what this was for all of our lives. But instead, we're getting a new one. Starts off right there. What is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitutes a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Well, everything you've been told and everything, every time there was a Republican about it, there was nothing. The Bush recession, well, that was a recession. It was just two consecutive. That's not how economists, nope. If Republicans had tried this stuff, they would have been laughed off of television, out of the studio, out of Washington, out of the country. But you're dealing with people who came up with the idea of jobs saved or created. They they set a huge pile of a trillion dollars on sale for Barack on fire from Barack Obama's stimulus bill. Remember that? Oh, it's a trillion dollar stimulus bill. Shovel ready jobs. Shovel ready jobs. And they said, oh, uh, shovel-ready wasn't as uh, shovel-ready as I thought. Oopsie. Oopsie-daisy. Sorry about that. And Barack Obama laughed because it wasn't his money. What the hell does he care? But to cover up for that, and because of the bad optics of Barack Obama laughing at that conference, going, shovel-ready wasn't as shovel-ready as we thought, the White House cooked up 
a new unit of measure. And what is it I always say about unit of measures? If you control the unit of measure, you control everything. The new unit of measure was jobs saved or created. Now that trillion dollar stimulus was supposed to create a whole bunch of jobs. We were promised those shovel ready jobs, but they just weren't as uh, shovel ready as we were promised. So they said they also saved jobs. Now, what's a saved job? Nobody could define it. Nobody had to define it. Nobody asked them to define it. They didn't, oh, it's a job saved or created. Okay, so your boss was going to come in and shut down the company or fire half the people. But then that stimulus money came rolling around into whatever factory you worked in. And he said, oh, lo and behold, uh, glory be to Barack Obama. These jobs are now saved. I was just about to fire everybody. I just about hit the order button on Amazon for those pile of pink slips. But now the stimulus has been passed and those jobs are saved. Now, you could theoretically argue that those jobs were in fact saved if that scenario I just described were realistic and your company were on the verge of collapse and half the people were going to be out on their rear ends were it not for the stimulus money. The problem is that company doesn't exist. Or if it did, maybe it was Solyndra and it went under anyway because that's the kind of company that got the money. Those green companies who gave big, whose executives, chief executives, gave big to Democrats. You give big to Democrats, you get big back from Democrats. That's how it works. You sit there and you say, how could somebody give... Who, what kind of lunatic gives $100,000 to the Democratic National Committee? And you go, well, you do that because you get a half a billion dollars in loan guarantees from the Obama administration. Oh, then suddenly it begins to click. Or you get, a, if you could spend $10,000 giving money to politicians and secure a $5 million government contract, wouldn't you take that? I think you'd be finding a way to go get a second mortgage on your house to get that $10,000. That's how it works. That's how it works. The people who had gotten money from Obama's stimulus were people who had given money to Obama, to the campaign. That was it. And they weren't in the market of creating jobs. They just wanted the money. They recognized that they probably weren't going to be in growth industries, and they just said, well, the hell with it. Let's find a way to get this money into our pockets by not hiring people, and they didn't hire people. These people make up the rules as they go along, and when they're redefining what a recession is, there's a reason for that. It's because the old definition no longer helps them. The real definition no longer helps them. Jobs saved or created. Well, why did that come up? Because jobs created, there were none. And people might go, why did we just set that pile of trillion dollars on fire? Why did we throw that money at Democrat donors? No, no, don't worry about it. We saved 8 million jobs. Can you prove that? No, I can't. But you can't disprove it. And that's much more important. So the White House continues about the definition. So instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessment of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data, including the labor market, consumer and business spending, industrial production, and incomes. Based on these data, it is unlikely 
that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year, or even if followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. Right there. They just declared that the old definition, you can throw out your word of the day calendar if it includes the word recession. It is no longer operative. Chuck it out, throw it onto the, probably won't want to set a fire today, but if you're going to set a fire today, throw it on the fire pit this weekend. It's no good anymore because it might not, it doesn't indicate a recession anymore. What does? They, They don't know not interested. Whatever it is, they won't determine what constitutes a recession until after November, after the November elections. Dollars to donuts says that. You got to love this. I want to read that last sentence again, just because we all know the definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative economic growth, of GDP decline. Not anymore. Not as of last Friday. Based on these data, it is unlikely that the decline in GDP in the first quarter of this year, even if followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. The liberal media has been given its marching orders. This is not a recession. What we are going to find out on Thursday is not a recession. Now, it'll be an economic miracle. It will be uh, Barack Obama is Jesus Christ. He is Lazarus. He has risen the economy from the abyss. We were about to go into a recession. If, if somehow they cooked the books so that the GDP actually grew, that it didn't shrink, that it grew. On Thursday, when this data comes out, they will be hearing, oh my goodness, look at what he's done. He has risen this economy from the grave. His economic policies are working, and therefore we must continue with them. But he's not responsible for anything if it's bad news. Just like gas prices. Rising gas prices, what do you hear? Look, the president of the United States can't do anything about gas prices. The president of the United States has no impact on gas prices. That's the private sector. That's the futures market. That is dangerous. It's all these big oil companies, Vladimir Putin, everything in the world. The president can't do anything about gas prices. Get that through your head. And then gas prices come down a little bit. And they say, well, you can thank Barack or you can thank Joe Biden for that. Paging Dr. Freud on that slip. You can thank Joe Biden for that. Joe Biden has saved your wallets. He saved your life, really. All glory be to Joe Biden. You owe him. He has single-handedly brought down oil prices. He's like James Dean and Giant. He's out there and he just struck oil and he's covered in it. Even though it's giving him cancer again. Some form of mysterious skin cancer or something or asthma or whatever. He's out there, damn it, he's willing to do it for you. Not all heroes wear capes, but most of them have hair plugs or something. That's the squirreliness of it. That is the problem you have when words have no meanings, when one side changes the definitions of words to suit their needs at any given time. It's a danger of, would you ever enter into a contract if every time you had a conversation with the party you're going to contract with, they talked about how something else they've decided that uh, they didn't like the reality of is now not so. It's just changing 
definitions. They're changing words. They're changing meanings. They're changing colloquialism on a whim for whatever suits their needs at any given moment, whatever their fancies. Would you enter into a contract with that person? If the legal system recognized that, well, I have a, uh, I have CRS. Can't remember bleep, whatever. And uh, but don't worry, this contract will be legit. And the law says, well, if somebody believes or can't remember, but believes that words mean something different to them, then those words, therefore, written form in contract form, do actually mean what that person thinks. Would you enter into a contract? No, you wouldn't. You'd go like, I'm not getting anywhere near you. I'm not going to shake your hand. That might mean we're married or something in your weird worldview. I want nothing to do with you. That's the entirety of the Democratic Party. It's not just about recession, although that's the, the flavor of the week because of the economic cycle. It is just about everything. The Associated Press, now I'm talking about the, this redefining of words and the way things work. The National Review has a thing today. AP Stylebook Issues Guide for Transgender Coverage. Transgender Coverage. What do, you, what, what do you need to guide for? Well, you need to be able to make sure that you are conforming with what liberal groupthink is, period, end of story. Nothing else. The Associated Press Stylebook, which for decades has served as a default style manual for most news organizations, has issued a, quote, topical guide for transgender coverage that encourages writers to use unbiased language to, quote, avoid false balance by giving a platform to unqualified claims or sources in the guise of balancing a story by including all views. In other words, the Associated Press says, forget fairness. Forget fairness. Stop it with this fairness crap. You must protect the uh, LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ mafia. But not all letters. It's kind of funny. You can find it out there. People are complaining that bisexuals shouldn't be included because bisexuals can... You can just claim to be bisexual, but you're in a, a cis-normative heterosexual relationship. And so you're faking it. You're just trying to be uh, riding on the coattails of the gay community or the alphabet mafia. Like, what the hell? They're very tolerant of nothing. Nothing. The Associated, uh, let's see, the AP style book has issued prior guidance related to gender and sexuality, and some of that is repackaged in the topical guide, but it does include some updates together providing an extensive reference for journalists. The Transgender Coverage Topical Guide explains, quote, a person's sex and gender are usually assigned at birth by parents or attendants and can turn out to be inaccurate. Experts say gender is a spectrum, not a binary structure consisting of only men and women that can vary among societies and can change over time, end quote. Who are these experts? Why, they're all members of the LGBTQRSTUVWXYZ community. They're all weirdos whose parents didn't love them enough who've decided to take out on that rage on society as a whole. That's what we're dealing with here. That's what these experts, experts say. The guide encourages writers to refer to subjects according to their preferred gender identity. The guide condemns deadnaming 
We're referring to a transgender person's previous name because that, quote, can be akin to using a slur and can cause feelings of gender dysphoria to resurface. Yeah, or it could, you know, be accurate. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, be on the list as the captain speaking. Be on the lookout for a bipedal human being uh, wanted for murder. You got any more on that, uh, Captain? No, just no. Just look out for a person. They're wanted for murder. They committed multiple murders. They're, this person is considered armed and dangerous. Any skin color, height, weight. Uh, no, you can't talk about any of those things. They'd be offended. It's going to come to a point where somebody's going to get off a murder case. Somebody's going to get off something horrible. Murder being the worst, but something horrible because of the way the police dispatch described them or the police blotter described them or something. There's going to be, that is going to be introduced by somebody. Johnny Cochran is dead, but God knows be Ben Crump or something. Oh, no, you can't, uh, can't describe. They described this defendant accurately based on their looks. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? They uh, they called this man a man when, in fact, inside at that moment, he felt like a woman. That's kind of a hate crime monster are these police right now. I tell you, the murder is absolutely justified when you're dealing with this kind of hate. You can sit there and you can say it's absurd. But I guarantee you in the next five years, some lawyer is going to try it. I don't know if it'll work. But some lawyer is going to try it. The guide describes the term sex by explaining, quote, a person's sex is usually assigned at birth by parents. Okay, wait. In describing gender confirmation procedures and gender affirming care, meaning radically mutilating somebody's body permanently and irrevocably, the guide explains that, quote, treatments can improve psychological well-being and reduce suicidal behavior. Reduce suicidal behavior. We're told that the trans community has some of the highest suicide rates ever, if not the highest suicide rate ever. Maybe maybe you deal with that. It, maybe it's not that they feel like their innie should be an Audi or vice versa, but maybe there's something deeper going on there, but you're not allowed to look at it. It'll probably be considered, if you do say, uh, hey, instead of slice and dice maybe you should talk to somebody they'll go you're trying to do engage in conversion therapy stop trying to engage in conversion therapy you hate monger <sighs> the guide cites that the world professional association of transgender health gee where do you think they're going to fall on this their whole business model is based on this said, quote, recently lowered its recommended minimum age for starting gender transition treatment, including sex hormones and surgeries. It says hormones can be started at age 14 and some surgeries at 15 or 17. Don't you feel really good about where we're headed as a society when a group of professional perverts and groomers can decide that children can be permanently and irrevocably mutilated as young as 14 years old. Why? Because to say, hey, maybe we should look at another cause here. Maybe there's something deeper going on. That's a hate crime. Caring enough to maybe try and get to the root of the problem, past the superficial, is a hate crime. Sick people. I want to shift to the state of Maryland's worthless, deadbeat, lame duck governor. 
He's pretty much spent eight years as a lame duck, Larry Hogan. He's never... He goes around and tells you how popular he is. And you say, well, why are you popular? Uh, because I'm a moderate. What did you do that was so moderate? I uh, I don't know. What what have you done, Governor? Because you talk about you're a conservative. You ran as you're a conservative. What did you do? Oh, uh, he did some stuff when he first got into office. When he first got into office, that was about it. The rain tax, and uh, he lowered some fees. If you go in, on a toll road or a toll bridge or whatever, the fees are cheaper than they were under Martin O'Malley. He rolled those back. Congratulations. Good on him. He did something. He did something. Since then, I honestly don't know what he's done aside from using our tax money here in the state to buy a whole bunch of worthless COVID tests. Remember, he always hated Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was dropping the ball on COVID. And since the uh, Trump administration was dropping the ball on COVID, Larry Hogan was going to ride in on a horse, that poor horse, and ride in and uh, save the day by using connections he had with South Korea to buy a whole bunch of COVID tests so that Marylanders would be safe. And then we got them. And they were on guard. They were guarded all the... Remember that? They, like in case the Trump... They had the National Guard guarding these things. In case the Trump administration decided to drive up to BWI, send the army up to BWI to get these COVID tests. Steal them from our great governor. And then the tests were worthless. They didn't work. They're garbage. You don't hear much about that. He's no, not bragging about those tests anymore. So I guess it's one way to shut him up is to have what he was cheering himself about, because somebody's got to cheer him, having what he's cheering himself about cause him to fall flat on his face. That'll shut him up for a while. But otherwise, meh, nothing. It's a damn joke. Well, anyway, he's leaving now, and Republicans in this state did not take his advice. He had a former cabinet official who he wanted to be the Republican nominee to replace him. The Republicans said not interested. The Republicans said not interested, and they went for a guy named Dan Cox. Now, is Dan Cox the answer? I don't know. I am not a soothsayer. I would never have thought that Larry Hogan would have had a chance to win. But Larry Hogan is convinced that when he leaves the bathroom, it smells like a meadow of flowers. And if you just look at the guy, you know that's not the case. But he believes that, uh, you know, everybody enjoys their own aroma. And uh, Larry is right there with him. He was on CNN. He doesn't even do safe radio anymore. That's how pathetic he is. I don't think he does. He used to be uh, accessible to conservative radio when conservative radio was helpful to him. And he just said, you're not helpful to me anymore. I even asked him to come on my show at the height of COVID, going, hey, you're the governor of the state. There's a lot of people concerned. We don't know what's going on. This is all brand new. I think they would enjoy being, you know, reassured by you, or at least, you know, have the chance to be reassured by you to find out what's going on. And his press shop said, well, we'll get back to you. And then they didn't get back to you because they didn't care. He made it onto MSNBC and CNN an awful lot. Not his audience, not his constituents, but they're about his future, so that's what he cared about. It tells you a little something about Harry Larry Hogan. Well, here he is 
reiterating once again, I mean, there's, a, there's such thing as useful idiots. Now, I don't know. Larry Hogan probably wouldn't consider himself a useful idiot. And I don't know how useful he is, but he's got the idiot part down. He's already made it abundantly clear that he is not going to vote for Dan Cox. He doesn't like Dan Cox because it's not his choice. He's taking his ball and going home. He's a sort of a, a worthless, fair-weathered, pseudo-conservative, really Republican in name only. The idiot part comes in when you are asked repeatedly by the liberal media to keep reiterating the same points you've already made because it helps them, it helps the Democrats, and you gleefully keep doing it. That's the point where you go from just useful idiot or useful to useful idiot to then just idiot. Jake Tapper, former Democrat activist, married to a Democrat activist on CNN, asks him about Dan Cox, wants him to reiterate a point he's already made. Larry Hogan, if he were smart, which he's not, should have said not going to. Look, Jake, there's no point in dwelling on this. What what purpose is served by dwelling on this? Instead, he thinks it. He must think it makes him look good to, I don't know, the Liz Cheney constituency of the Republican Party. Listen to it for yourself. We only have a little over 20% of the people in Maryland are Republican, and only 20% of them showed up at the polls. So it's about 2% of the people of our state that voted for the guy. And uh, in the general election, I think it's going to be a different situation. Um, you said you're not going to support him in November. So are you going to vote for the Democratic nominee, Wes Moore? Um, you know, I'm going to have to make a decision about that between now and November, but I'm certainly not going to support this guy. I, I said I wouldn't. He does, he's not qualified to be governor. He's, just, he's not qualified to be governor. I'm not going to support him. I don't know. Wow. Wow. What a what a worthless pile of garbage. I guess it would be a good way to put it. Isn't that a good way to put it? I think that's a good way to put it. He's not pure enough. I don't care for him. He's not good enough. To hell with him. I'm too cool for school. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Larry Hogan, ladies and gentlemen. What a complete and total fraud. Looking at his voters, the people who actually put him in office, they are not, there are not enough of them. It doesn't matter. Who do you think you are anyway? What do you think you are? It is a small percentage of a small percentage of a small percentage. Well, there's a small percentage of a small percentage of a small percentage that put him and his partner in position to be the governor of the state. It's kind of weird. It wasn't such a uh, small percentage when Larry Hogan was running. It was a cheery, cheery official thing. My goodness. Now, there were fewer voters, sure, but so what? That seems like it would have made it easier for Larry Hogan's hand-picked successor to win, right? If Larry Hogan has all this magical power and is so wonderful and so beloved by the Republicans in this state, he's the most popular governor in the country, after all. You would think that if that were the case, then getting more than 9,499 votes would be pretty easy to do, Larry, right? Where's your army of flying monkeys? After all, you and your primary got 92,000 votes. What happened to all of those people? Maybe they're all just as sick of you as everybody else is. You ever stop to think of that? It was a much more contested, much more well-funded primary race. Larry Hogan can whine and complain about the Democratic Governors Association spending money to get Dan Cox elected. 
Larry Hogan didn't get off his bloated behind to get more than 10,000 of his supporters to show up and support his hand-chosen successor. That kind of tells you something about the man, does it not, ladies and gentlemen? I think it does. I'm looking at uh, Twitter here, and a guy called Dan Dominich. He's the executive director of the School Superintendents Association. God help kids. Homeschool your kids if you can. Send them to private school. Erica Green, who uh, used to work at uh, the Baltimore Sun, now is a national education correspondent of the New York Times, D.C. Bureau. She's gleefully tweeting these things out. She says, this panel on academic recovery is flames. It's on fire. Latest mic drop moment is from Dan Dominich of the uh, American Association of uh, Superintendents for Equitable Access to High-Quality Public Education. That's what they're for. Who says, academic achievement isn't keeping educators up at night. Quote, low test scores are not going to kill a child. A bullet will. Low test scores will not kill a child. A bullet will. Well, Dan... Danny boy, let me ask you a question here just off the top of my head. I'm no uh, learned academic. Not like you, Dan. No, no, no. Not uh, the executive director of the School Superintendents Association. No. But what do you suspect that the test scores of the kid who fired the bullet are? They up there? Top? Top scores? Are they in the the middle range or are they down near the bottom? Do you think that that kid had a bright future ahead of him thanks to a tireless team of professional educators such as yourself? Or do you think that that kid maybe, maybe got the short end of the stick because of people like you, Dan? What do you, what do you think that falls? Huh? I, I have my suspicions. I'd be curious to know yours. But instead, you're getting fist bumps and flame emojis and mic drop moments from the New York Times. So what does it matter? I don't know of a single school shooter who was an overachiever, somebody who was even reading at their their grade level. Can you name one, Dan? You'd be the guy to know. You don't really seem to care about test scores. When Democrats don't want you to look at something... Don't want you to think about something. When they say forget about that's exactly where you should look. That's exactly what you should wonder. Kids who have been told that the future is wide open and their lives are what they make of them and they can be anything they want to be. Those kids don't go out and do horrible things. It's the kids who sit in class and can't read. And the teachers fail, and the system fails, and the unions fail, and everybody at the superintendent levels fail. And then they go to conferences and say, well, don't worry about low test scores. Low test scores aren't going to shoot anybody. No, but the people with them will. The people with them definitely will. Just saying, Dan. You might want to look into that, because I think I'm right on that one. You wonder why the education system is in the absolute toilet, why Democrats don't care. Democrats are these. I can't say these people control Democrats. These people are Democrats. Democrats are these people. It used to be that the teachers' unions and the moneyed interests in public education, which is our money, they're using our money to elect Democrats, um, that they had some semblance of interest to the child. They're not interested in the children anymore. 
Randy Weingarten isn't interested in children. It's kind of funny. The people who talk the loudest use the children as cover, talking the loudest. Oh, it's about the children. We've got to have the children. We can't open these schools. COVID's out there. What about the children? What about the children? Randy Weingarten has no children. Randy Weingarten has no children. She doesn't really care. If she cared about children, wouldn't she have some children? Now, if she's a lesbian, she's in a lesbian relationship. She could adopt children. She could have. She's past the age of where she could have had her own children, but throughout the course of her life, it wasn't a priority. She's got all the nation's children. Yeah, well, she's the worst stepmom ever. She's terrible. She's awful. All of these people running these institutions, running these institutions to protect the institution. That's what these are. That's what the teachers union is. That's what the National Association of Superintendents is. They are designed to protect the status quo. They are designed to protect the ultimate institution, which is the public schooling system. The public schooling system is garbage because it's filled with garbage people doing horrible things, doing a horrible job. They'll do anything. So that's so the latest pet project. Oh, the government, we, we, school shootings. School shootings, we've got to talk about school shootings. All right. What do you think the kids uh, that uh, shot up Uvalde, that guy, that monster that was moved around because he had really bad parents and was living with indifferent grandparents, how do you, do you think he was an overachiever in education? Down in Uvalde, do you think he was an overachiever in education, like the valedictorian there? Think he was? Or do you think they just said, let's graduate this, just move him along, just move him along, just keep moving? I suspect it's the latter. I suspect it's always the latter, don't you? And the only reason I suspect it's always the latter is because it's always the latter. That would be why. But they're not allowed to uh, admit that. They don't want to admit that. Their economic interests are not advanced by that. So you end up with a guy getting kudos from the New York Times, the the people who say, oh, we're the journalists, we speak truth to power. No, you don't. You tweet the words of the powerful. You suck up to them. Congratulations. (laughs) It's a mic drop moment. It's a wonderful mic drop moment. Man, it's just, I love seeing these people really drop the mic on these. Really? Really? How many kids were educated today because of this stupidity? Any of them? None? None? Yeah, it's none. Talk about stupidity. Meanwhile, speaking of the New York Times, this is probably all we'll have time for. Cannibalism has a time and place. Some recent books, films, and shows suggest that the time is now. Can you stomach it? New York Times. <laughs> Uh, we'll get more into this tomorrow, but this might be one of the, they're trying to get us to eat bugs. Now they want us to eat our neighbors. The headline is a taste for cannibalism? Question mark. A spate of recent stomach turning books, TV shows, and films suggest we've never looked so delicious to one another. <laughs> it's green. It's green for the, won't you eat your neighbor for the planet? Won't you eat You know, we've gone from neighbors, uh, you eat their grass clippings because that's green and it's free roughage and all of that to why don't you just eat your neighbor? Why don't you just, won't you eat my neighbor? And it's going to put a whole new spin if they ever make another Mr. Rogers movie. Make it the dark comedy it really deserves to be. 
Meanwhile, by the way, I just got to point this out. You want to talk about the rich are different from us. Sergey Brin, the multi-billionaire who founded uh, Google, he's married, and apparently his wife had an affair with his friend Elon Musk. And uh, <laughs> they're still friends. Do you imagine sleeping with your friend's wife and then begging for forgiveness? And you're like, it's okay. It's okay. It's all good. God, the rich are very different. If you're cool with your wife sleeping with one of your friends, I suspect you're, I don't know, maybe you're not the most trustworthy person either. Anyway, we're out of time for today. I'd rather not think of any of those people having sex. Have a great day. We'll be back to do it all again tomorrow. Appreciate you listening. See you later.